Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster, Dean Linking. Uniting coaches at every level of the game, around the love of the game, we are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, delighted to be bringing you another edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap, another jam-packed show Ian Barker, the Director of Coaching Education for United Soccer Coaches since 2012, kicks it off talking about some exciting news with the Scottish FA, some great residential courses taking place early January down in Florida, and a new coach developer course that I think you'll find intriguing. Becky Burley, longtime friend of United Soccer Coaches, longtime phenomenal college coach. She got win number 500. She's done an amazing job job at Florida, including winning a national championship. She's on the program. The Rutgers men's soccer team is 5-0 at the time of recording. Jim McKeldry, the new head coach for Rutgers, will join the program as they're 5-0 and and off to a great start. And then we meet two more members of our 30 under 30 class, Molly Rouse, who starred at Minnesota and is now an assistant coach at Minnesota under Stephanie Golan. And how about Emma Clark? She started at Boston University, went back home to Maine, came back to Boston University, eventually was named associate head coach, but decided that she needed to broaden her mind if she truly wanted to be a head coach at the highest level. So she's now at Seton Hall as an assistant coach with an eye on a head coaching position. Emma Clark is also on. But before we hear from any of those folks, and right after we hear from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. United Soccer Coaches President Jeff Farnsworth remembers United Soccer Coaches Honor Award winner and longtime CEO of the organization, Jim Sheldon, who passed away just last week. We do that after this. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. It's been a tough month or so for United Soccer Coaches as we've lost a couple great people and it's been a tough year indeed. And United Soccer Coaches... Announced on September 13th, their sadness about the passing of Jim Sheldon, the first executive director of the association. Sheldon was the association's first full-time employee when he was hired as executive director of the then NSCAA back in June 92, and he is credited with laying the foundation for what the association has become today. He led the association for 17 years until his retirement in May of 2009. During his tenure, the association experienced extensive growth from approximately 8,000 members to 29,000 members, Sheldon was also instrumental in expanding the key areas of service as the association's coaching education and awards and recognition programs needed to grow to meet the needs of coaches in the American soccer game. It's only fitting that we are joined by Jeff Farnsworth, our current president for United Soccer Coaches, and just as important, a man who chaired the awards committee for 20 years. We met his daughter a couple of weeks ago, Kara Farnsworth, part of our amazing 30 Under 30 program, and Jeff worked with Charlie Flago, who passed away not too long ago, and he also worked with Jim Sheldon. Jeff joins me now 
under tough circumstances, Jeff, uh, some great people uh, have passed away, and we'll start with Jim Sheldon. Sad news coming from the Sheldon family. Yeah, it's, it is very sad news. Um, Jim was just such a good quality man. I mean, beyond all that he did for for this association, for the United Soccer Coaches, um, he was just, just such a constant professional, just such a quality individual. And um, you know, other than I mean, the fact that we lost an icon certainly is 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 tough, but also just lost a good friend. Um, I actually go back with Jim to him being hard. The first time I ever met Jim was in Pittsburgh, which um, Ron Broad, then, then president, uh, the coming, incoming president, uh, along with Peter Gooding, introduced me to Jim. Um, I had just been brought on as awards manager, uh, which was part of John McKeon, the then part-time uh, executive director. John was running the association out of his office in East Strasburg, PA, and uh, they had hired Jim, and they decided to split what John used to do with the awards, and they brought me on. And so that was the first time back, season the 19, I believe it was 1991, that I had met Jim, and we started working together. And uh, and again, just a kind, kind man. It, uh, it just is it's a very tough loss. Well, and as a longtime awards chair, you know better than anybody, I think, the value of getting some of these prestigious awards. And no surprise, Jim Sheldon was presented, Jeff, with the honor award, the association's highest honor, recognizing the career of one who's worked throughout the association, has enhanced the soccer coaching profession, and contributed to the game as a whole. That was done at the 2014 convention in Philadelphia, and that's not that long ago, just five years ago, but that certainly was well-deserved, right, Jeff? Uh, very, very much so. It was so incredibly well-deserved. And, and I think that also was such a sign of, of how the people that brought Jim in uh, and how much respect they had for them. And, you know, many of the, the men that are, and women that are on the Honor Award Committee are past icons and, and great to this association. And uh, to honor Jim so soon after his retirement, and, um, and uh, it really speaks to so much to how much they – felt about Jim, how close they were with him, how respectful they were of him and everything that he'd done for the association. And, and um, to have, you know, at that point, an employee honored with our highest award really said something uh, to the fact of the respect and the admiration, the admiration they had for him and, and all that he had done. So, so yeah, that was really a, a great honor from, from how people felt of Jim and, and the, the respect and the, the true love they had for, for what he'd done for this for many of them personally and for this association. Because of all your great work with United Soccer Coaches, Jeff, and now your cycle as the president, you know how important it is to have a great CEO for this thriving organization. That probably even hits more home as uh, we you know, celebrate his life. I think that's how we're going to say it, as we celebrate the great life of Jim Sheldon. Yeah, the, the leadership and the, the professional leadership is so critical of, of our association just in, in determining the future and where we go. I mean, certainly the board of directors has an impact and, and helps set the, the, you know, the, the road that the, the association is going to be on, but the CEO plays such a large part in that. And uh, Jim, through his years and, you know, 17 years as, as executive director, just did so much in laying the foundation. You know, you mentioned awards, but the other thing that Jim was, was great in what he'd done is, is, number one, bringing on quality people. He had an, he had an eye for talent. And bringing in some some great people in our association, uh, Sandy Williamson and Steve Veal and, and uh, Mike McFarland, Craig um, 
Craig Bonnert, um, Allison Pronsky, even Jeff Van Dusen, who still is with our association, as is Allison, he just he, he brought these people in, and they were just such high-quality employees and, and did so much for the association. And also his leadership just let those people flourish. He was like a good coach that uh, could tell talented players, and not only could tell it, he could motivate it and bring the best out of it. And Jim was just exceptional at doing that. Um, the other thing I give Jim a lot of credit for is, is number one, obviously expanding the awards program, but he did so much for our education as well and really putting and establishing the, the then NSCAA is, is such a leader in education and coaching education. And uh, he, he did much for us in that as well and the vision he had and eventually bringing in Jeff Tipping. And, and, the, and our courses at, at that point were some of the best in the world um, with, with Jim and with what Jim was able to do. So well said, Jim Sheldon, a 1975 graduate of Kansas, where he was the captain of the club's soccer team. He was born in Hinsdale, Illinois, grew up in Williamstown, Mass., where he was a letterman soccer player at Mount Greylock Regional High School. He was preceded in death by his wife, Janice, and is survived by his sons, Ilya and Nicholas, both of Overland Park, Kansas. Finally, Jeff, as we think about Jim, we think about Charlie, we think about Ziggy and all these great people that have left us way too early. One thing that ties us all together is, in fact, the United Soccer Coaches, both in celebration and in the passing of great people, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things, and I think Jim, as much as anybody helped preserve this, was the association and the family atmosphere that that the association had. It's always been very much a family, and a family that the, the, the love of the game has brought us together. And, uh, and Jim was very much... Um, a person that loved the game, that loved the association, and, and and treated the people involved in the association as his family. And and I think that's one of the things as we see these passings that it's more than just we lost a uh, you know somebody within the game of soccer, but we've truly lost a family member and somebody that was was very important to all of us as was Charlie and, and Ziggy and, and so many others that have that have gone before. Jeff Farnsworth, president of United Soccer Coaches, thanks so much for your special tribute as we start this week's show to Jim Sheldon, gone at 66. Continue to learn and build your coaching resume by attending one of United Soccer Coaches' Winter Advanced Diplomas January 6th through the 10th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. United Soccer Coaches is conducting five advanced diplomas this January. The National, Advanced National, Premier, Advanced National Goalkeeping, and National Youth Diplomas. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash education to learn more about these courses and get registered today. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash education to learn more about these courses and get registered today. That's unitedsoccercoaches.org slash education. Welcome back to our United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by team staff. I want to thank the president of United Soccer Coaches, Jeff Farnsworth, for that very special tribute to Jim Sheldon. Now, as promised, we're joined by Ian Barker. He has been the director of coaching education for United Soccer Coaches since 2012. I want to remind everybody that Ian had an amazing coaching career before joining United Soccer Coaches so we all could become better coaches. From 89 to 96, he was the assistant coach for the Wisconsin Badgers men's team. Remember, they won the 95 national championship. And then from 97 to 2007, he was the director of coaching and player development for Minnesota Youth Soccer Association before getting back into the college game and then finally finding his way to United Soccer Coaches. And I say all that, Ian, because we have Molly Rouse coming up, another one of our great members for 30 Under 30. 
She was a big-time player in Minnesota, played for the Golden Gophers, now is an assistant coach at Minnesota, kind of living the Minnesota dream, and it reminded me that there's been a lot of great players and coaches come out of Minnesota. I mean, in the, in the modern world, in addition to uh, Minnesota United, we have, um, we have the Gopher women, and then we have a ton of um, really strong ethnic influences in soccer in Minnesota. Um, but the history of it, um, certainly from my understanding, starts with the Kicks and Alan Merrick, goes on through Buzz Lagos with the Thunder, which really is the, the forerunner to what now is Minnesota United. Great players like Brianna Scurry, Tony Sana, um, Manny and Gerard Lagos, amongst, amongst others. And then um, a really vibrant college scene in the Minnesota Intercollegiate where I coach with McAllister. So there's just, um, it's just, you know, for, for a state where you can only play outdoors for about five months of the year, um, we're very blessed to have just had a particularly uh, good group of uh, soccer people in that community for the last 40, 50 years. Great. Thanks, Ria. Thanks for talking a little Minnesota soccer. And as I said, Molly Routes will be coming up later. Minnesota, of course, getting their win against NC State last week on the Big Ten Network. Well, Ian, we want to cover uh, three topics with you. I want to start with the Scottish FA. There's some big news going on. Get us all up to speed on what's happening. So um, what we've, we've done here at United Soccer Coach is we've made a relationship with the Scottish Football Association um, so that American coaches who would like to enjoy access to the UEFA courses um, can do so with increasing ease. Um, so we're going to go to Scotland in December. Um, and we're going to take in a, an English Premier League game, a Scottish Premier League game, and do the, the, the tours and the educational pieces. But while we're there, all of the uh, group, will, including myself, will take the 30-hour Scottish Football Association C license. And upon successfully completing that, we will, to all intents and purposes, be Scottish uh, for the purposes of applying for the UA for B with the Scottish FA. So currently... Um, only 10% of a UEFA BRA class is available to a coach from another country, which makes it quite difficult for Americans to get into courses in Europe, um, be they in the home countries or Germany or, or Holland or Portugal or Spain. So we found this very um, unique opportunity um, to officially partner with the SFA, give people access to the SFA C license, qualifying them to then take the UEFA B, which will be a really... Um, a really nice opportunity for American coaches who are looking to enjoy the much more global approach to developing players and coaching, um, which, is, which is really refreshing because previously FAs were very closed and um, weren't sharing, but um, it's quite the, quite the country right now. Ian, in so many exciting ways, whether it is international trips, whether it is having esteemed members from international coaching staffs come over to the convention and speak or be a part of our courses, you have made this kind of a key pillar of what you're doing as the Director of Coaching Education, again, the job you've had since 2012. Why is that? Why has that been so important to you, Ian? Well, I just think as a membership organization, um, our responsibility is to provide coaches with opportunities, um, even if those opportunities aren't directly coming from my office, if I'm not writing the curriculum or my colleagues aren't writing it and delivering it. But I think it's, it's up to us to um, show American coaches, many of whom want to learn in different ways, want different influences, different inputs, maybe their own um, history, their own background means they prefer to be in a European country, uh, different language skills. 
So I think it's, I think that's our role and responsibility, and, and it's great to work with a group like the Scottish Football Association, who are so open-minded and so welcoming. Um, so I just feel like this is this is fulfilling the mission of United Soccer Coaches. And for those of people that uh, can't leave the states, we can tell you that uh, coaches can continue to learn and build their coaching resume by attending one of United Soccer Coaches' winter advanced diplomas, January 6 through 10 in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. United Soccer Coaches is conducting five advanced diplomas this January, the National, Advanced National, Premier, Advanced National Goalkeeping, and National Youth Diplomas. You've got the floor. Tell people why it's a good idea maybe to be there in Fort Lauderdale January 6th through 10, Ian. Well, um, for those of us that live in the upper Midwest, it's Fort Lauderdale in January. That would be the number one reason. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um, the courses, um, what we've done with the courses, which I'm very proud of, is we've, we've taken away the, the physical and psychological demands of the courses, which I think was hampering learning. So the courses now are five days, four nights, um, with the assessment component, which is always the most stressful, um, happening now after the course in the coach's own environment with his or her own players, and they direct that assessment. So they contact us couple of months after the course, we send the assessor out, they complete the course that way. That means at the course, the five days in Fort Lauderdale, there's a ton of directed learning, information coming from the instructors or the instructors setting up the coaches to learn in groups and share and so on and so forth. Um, it, it, just, it just, I think it's much more realistic because one of the great things about American coach education is You've got a tremendous diversity of coaches in the group. You get grassroots, youth coaches, college, high school, some um, fledgling pro coaches. And so to sort of teach to the middle of that, you miss people out. So what we've done is we've, we've created an environment which is much more contextual for the, for the learner. Um, so they come in, they get the information, they share information, they develop information, but then their assessment component happens outside the course um, in their own environment. Because our numbers continue to grow on this podcast, it's so exciting how everybody is getting behind it. Uh, take a quick second and do the elevator speech on the different diplomas that are offered by United Soccer Coaches. Well, in this particular case, the, the five that we'll be offering in Fort Lauderdale um, will all be the same length. The national, um, essentially the entry course, is really looking at developing an understanding of the principles of play. The advanced national is much more about methodology so teaching method, um, styles of coaching. And then the premier is the systems and formations 11-a-side type award, um, you know, talking about the differences between a 4-4-2 opposed to a 3-5-2, let's say. The advanced national goalkeeper is a week of goalkeeping. Um, that curriculum was written by the late Tony DiCicco. And then the national youth diploma, which I'm particularly excited to have this January, is for those people coaching 10 and unders, so people that are specializing in those those kids that are maybe not getting beyond seven aside, certainly playing four aside, maybe even smaller, um, but the, the specifics of how to work with the ten and unders, um, and so we'll have that national youth diploma as well. So there's, there's five very unique and distinct offerings which should satisfy the learning needs of, of, a, of a very broad range of coaches, hopefully. All right, Ian Barker, I also understand we have now something called a Coach Developer Diploma. Walk us through that. 
Um, well, thanks for asking about that one. That, that's a program that is very similar in, in length and format to the Director of Coaching Deployment, which has been very popular for us, which is a Friday through Sunday, um, largely classroom-based program. The Coach Developer Program, um, the idea here is that there are so many more clubs and organizations where the DOC of the club or one of the coaching leaders is continually um, providing coach education within the club setting. So as much as we coach players and then we coach educate, could we now educate educators, if you will? So what we're doing with the coach developer deployment is we're taking leaders in organizations, um, possibly high school head coaches, college head coaches, who are looking to develop the coaching ability of their staff, um, of the grassroots coaches, and so we're doing a 20-plus-hour course on adult learning, but specifically soccer adult learning. And um, we ran the first one with New York Red Bull. Uh, very, very good response. Um, the intellectual property is a woman called Sarah McQuaid and her colleague Linda Lowe, who have extensive um, experience working in the coach development space. And um, we have, um, I think we have one course coming up in San Ramon, California, uh, before the end of the year. So looking forward to getting a couple more of those under, under our belts. Super exciting. Can't let you go without uh, at least starting to tease the convention. I know plans are underway, Ian. It's always an exciting time. What are you looking forward to as uh, we build toward the convention in Baltimore in January? Well, I have to admit, repairing for the convention is not something to especially look forward to because it's quite an onerous task. But once you get to the convention, be it as a, as a visitor or be it as one of the staff. It's, it's five or six days of, of just soccer, 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 and it's really, really enjoyable even as a staff member. Um, we will embed in the, in the convention this year a national diploma, so people can actually take a national diploma at the convention this year too, which is a, a brand new program we're running. Um, in addition to all of the great presenters, there is a way uh, while you're at convention to attend certain presentations in sequence and get additional um, continuing education credit for your for your time and effort. So I'm managing a director of coaching diploma, six presentations, sorry, eight presentations, the coach has to take six. My colleagues David uh, Newbury, Vince Gansberg, and several other people are running these diplomas, these continuing education diplomas within the convention. So you have the education, you have the exhibitor show, the awards, the rankings, um, all the things you would normally have, plus you can come away as a coach with a little bit of extra credit on your coaching resume. And many of our high school and college coaches actually get their convention attendance um, reimbursed by their schools or their, in some cases, youth clubs, because the coach is not just going to hang out, the coach is actually going and demonstrating that he or she wants to get some uh, additional education. Ian Barker, Director of Coaching Education for United Soccer Coaches, since 2012, and I can tell you folks, having spent quite a bit of time with him in 2014 with a bunch of young media superstars, that Ian is, in fact, a media superstar of his own. So, Ian, because of that, I'm going to leave you with leading us to the next segue, and that is celebrating Becky Burley's 500 wins. When you hear the name Becky Burley as the lead-up to my interview with her, what does that mean? Well, I will, I will tell, tell everybody the truth. I was sitting at Whole Foods last night looking at Twitter, and um, I think the Gators put out a celebration of Becky's 500th win, and I really struggled to believe that 
obviously there's, it takes some time to acquire 500 or accumulate 500 wins. I can't believe that we've all been around that long that she was able to win 500 unless she sort of had much bigger schedules than most of us were allowed to have and didn't ever lose. So first of all, it's a testament to longevity in a career which sometimes does not always favor longevity. Um, but I think when I think back to what Anson did with, with North Carolina and where really for a while there all you ever heard about was women's college soccer, but it was North Carolina. And then you saw what Becky did, um, what Randy did at Notre Dame, other programs um, starting to emerge, the quality of the Big Ten, the ACC, out west, um, people like Leslie Gallimore, Heather Dice from New Mexico, Leslie with Washington. The, the growth of the women's game coinciding with the, with the interest in women's football through the World Cup and the success of our U.S. women's national team. Um, but Becky is, is probably, uh, forgive me, Becky, but one of the grand dames of women's college soccer. And 500 wins is, is an amazing achievement for college soccer coach. It truly is uh, something special. Hello, coaches. Dean Linky here reminding you that registration is now open for the 2020 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Baltimore. Make your plans to join us January 15th through 19th for five days of coaching education, networking, meal and social functions, award presentations, and so much more. Register before December 11th to secure the best rate. Visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org to learn more. The United Soccer Coaches Convention, your event for all things coaching. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Jeff Barnsworth, the president of United Soccer Coaches, for his special tribute to Jim Sheldon, Ian Barker, for getting us set on all things that are happening with United Soccer Coaches, exciting times. And what a great setup, Ian Barker, saying great things about Becky Burley. It's not difficult to do. She is one of the all-time greatest coaches to ever be in the college game, getting win number 500 as a collegiate coach, and she joins me now. Becky Burley, thanks for being on the program. Well, thanks. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, 500. That's a pretty amazing number. Ian Barker gave you the ultimate compliment, saying how could someone that young already have 500 victories? But it's not easy getting the 500. Becky, what's it mean to you? <laughs> well, I think it's really just a tribute to, you know, all the past players, coaches, staff, um you know, it really takes a lot of people to have a successful program, you know, and that doesn't even count, like, your institution and the administrative support behind that. But, I mean, there's just a lot of people involved over that course of time, and I think it's a big tribute to all of them. Well, you think about uh, coming to Florida and kicking that program off and then winning that 1998 NCAA title. Why has Florida been such a special place for you, Becky? You know, I knew when I came on my interview to Florida that, you know, this was going to be a special place in terms of the ability to have success. I mean, every sports program at Florida is really successful. The school is one of the top ten public institutions in the country. I mean, you're in Florida where the weather is amazing. Uh, I think it's just a, a recipe for success. But I would say what really makes Florida special is the people. You know, a lot of people don't leave UF in the Athletic Association. We've had a lot of the same people for a long period of time, and I think that's just um, a testament to the fact that Florida really supports their programs. Under Becky Burley, 21 NCAA championship appearances, two NCAA College Cup appearances, winning that title we talked about in 98, 14 SEC time titles, 12 SEC tournament titles to go with it as well. And 
Really, one of the things that uh, Ian said, which was spot on, is you kind of broke up what was a long run there for the Tar Heels, and you did it in short order, starting at 95. And and now, like, as you move forward, you see the parity in college soccer. I mean, it's no longer just one or two teams. I mean, Beck, I think you can say there's 15 to 20 teams that could win an NCAA championship. Uh, never a better time for women's soccer at all levels, including college soccer. Yeah, I think that's what makes it really exciting right now. You know, there's a lot of good players out there. Um, there's a lot of good programs out there. There's coaches has, you know, the coaching has improved tremendously. Um, and I, I do feel like the parity has really improved, which I think creates a lot more excitement. Here with Becky Burley. One of the things that uh, you mentioned excitement, it seems like uh, you never say no to the United Soccer Coaches. You're always available for them. You've done multiple sessions at the conventions. You're involved in courses quite often. Why has that organization been so important to you over the years, Becky? Well, first of all, I just think the mission of the organization is amazing. You know, I I got my first coaching licenses from the United Soccer Coaches Association, and it was it felt to me like it was just a real learning environment, like they genuinely wanted to help you become a better coach. It wasn't about the credential itself. It was more about helping you become a better coach. And the relationships that I made in those coaching courses really stayed with me forever, whether it was the people teaching the courses or whether it was the people who were in my courses because there was a bunch of us that sort of went through a lot of those courses together. I just feel like it really provided this massive foundation for me to build off of, especially as a young coach. I mean, I was kind of thrown into head coaching at a very young age, and without that background, I'm not sure my teams would have appreciated my uh, my attempts to coach, so that really helped me a lot when I was younger. I always felt like, too, you always had your hand on kind of the heartbeat of the changing landscape of soccer, and that means that, you know, not just the physical side, but the mental side and some of the analytics and that type of thing is the game has evolved. Why has it been so important for you to, to have your, you know, your hand on that heartbeat? I think you're right about that. I mean, I think it's really important as we get older, our players don't. You know, it's 18 to 22-year-olds still, and we're gapping that, you know. So for us to stay relevant, it's really important that we keep up with, whether it's technological changes, whether it's, you know, the way people communicate, um, whether it's the way to reach players. I think that's really important to, to maintain longevity. You have to be willing to evolve. And so for me, like, for example, the convention is a great place for me to go and get new ideas from different people who are coaching at different levels. Um, I think that's what makes our sport special is the the collaboration aspect of it. It's not you know, let's hold our cards close to the vest and not share anything with anybody. It's more like, wow, you can learn from the pro level, you can learn from the youth level, you can learn from the collegiate level, and everybody being willing to share has created an environment, I think, that's very different than most sports across college athletics. You mentioned the word share, and obviously the full women's national team are asking uh, U.S. soccer to share a little bit more um, as one of the leaders, as a female, 500 wins, and somebody that uh, really everybody looks up to, whether it's United Soccer coaches or just coaches in general. What's your take on what U.S. Soccer and the women's national team is asking for, Becky? You know, that's a really complex issue. I think on the surface it seems like really simple, but I think when you dig deeper it's a really complex issue because, you know, the way that compensation happens, it's it's not going to actually be – 
equal, but I do think it's really important that we recognize, you know, the visibility and the marketability of our women's national team and how that can help us overall in soccer, not just on the women's side. Um, so obviously I support what they're trying to do and, um, I think it's, uh, it's just not as easy and straightforward as most people make that issue out to be. Overall, I had the great honor of early on with the with the original Carolina Courage and Danielle Fotopoulos was on that team, and then another league that came through and Abby Wambach was on that team, and now you've got NWSL rocking like crazy, and I know there's some Florida players uh, around the league as well. But when you look at uh, where NWSL is and just women's soccer even after their college days right now, even overseas, how does it make you feel, Coach? I think it's a pretty exciting time to be a young women's soccer player because I hope that those opportunities are only going to increase. I think the World Cup this past one, the the biggest um, eye-opener or difference maker in this World Cup was the visibility of women's soccer as a marketing partner and the ability to make money from that and the ability to put players in the spotlight that can really attract people to your business no matter what it is. And I think that's only going to create better opportunities as that progresses because more money means a better funded league, means it's more viable to choose that as a career. Um, I think there's just a lot of positive things happening right now in the women's soccer world. Finally, Becky Burley, we had Shellis Hyman on two weeks ago when he got his 500th win, um, getting it through Grand Canyon. Most of his wins came at SMU, but, you know, we made the deal with Shellis that he's going to come on when they win, when he wins 600, 700, and 800. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and make that deal with you too. Does that work? Yeah, that works. I have to say, I'm, I feel honored to be in the same category as Shellis because Shellis was one of the people who, taught one of the early courses that I took, and um, I have an utmost respect for Shellis um, in terms of an instructor. He was amazing. Like, I feel like his his brain is just like a treasure trove of information about soccer. I wish I knew half the stuff that he knows about soccer. Uh, so to be mentioned in the same breath as him is pretty amazing. Well, he holds you in high regard. We all do, Becky Burley. Congratulations on 500, and good luck the rest of the season, and we'll see you in Baltimore at the convention. That sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. Always enjoy spending time with Becky Burley. One of the things we like to do is we like to be trending on United Soccer Coaches, and that means we like to be hip, like to keep up with the teams that are making noise, coaches that are making noise. How about Jim McKeldry? First year with the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Remember back in the early 90s, in the 80s, Peter Burmese, Alexi Lalas, Rutgers was playing for national championships. They were trying to get it done. It's been a long time. He's the new head coach for Rutgers. They're 5-0 and to start the season, perhaps 6-0 and by the time this interview airs. By way of Fordham, he's in the Fairfield Hall of Fame. He's the head coach of the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, undefeated at 5-0 and to start the season, and he's up after this mess. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap Big Time Show, Power Pack Show this week. I want to thank our last guest, Becky Burley, who just got her 500th win at 
Florida. And I got to tell you, if he keeps up the pace he's going at right now, it won't take long for Jim McKeldery to get to 500 as well. He had 16 great seasons with Fordham. He's now the top man at the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. And heading into their game tonight, we recorded this on Tuesday. They were 5-0 and with five one-goal victories, thrilling games. And that's right, you heard it right. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights are 5-0, and led by the Fairfield Athletic Hall of Famer, where he was a big-time soccer player, then did an incredible job with Fordham, including making a deep run in the NCAA tournament just a few years ago, and now the top man at Rutgers. And, Jim, I'm going to say it one more time. Rutgers is 5-0, and baby. How's that sound? Yeah, we couldn't be happier. I don't know if uh, 500 wins is ever going to happen like uh, like Becky has, but uh, you know we're excited that the the season has started off well. We're we're understanding that the, every game we play has been super close, and uh, but I'm, I'm proud of the guys. They've they've really learned to to compete every moment of the game, and uh, looking forward to continuing to grow and uh, as we head towards the Big Ten games. Yeah, and I feel like uh, all the Big Ten coaches are super excited as well. As you know, I've been covering the Big Ten Network just my 13th year now. And, that, you know, while they want to beat each other when they face each other, I really do feel like it's a close-knit group. Hopefully you're picking up on it. But all of them are excited, and they I told them that I was going to have you on, and they were fired up as well. As we just had the Yagleys on prior to that UCLA game. So they're super excited. And for you, like, let's tell your story because – you went to Fairfield where you're in the Hall of Fame, and I believe uh, your wife is a big-time field hockey player also in Connecticut uh, as well, where Fairfield is located. And then you go to Fordham. But you're from New Jersey, so this is perfect for you, right? I mean, this is a great job. Yeah, I grew up, uh, you know, the first kind of 22 years of my, my life, I was uh, in New Jersey. Uh, obviously, I was in school at, in Connecticut, but uh, once I graduated, I never really came back to New Jersey, but I, I do uh, consider myself a, a New Jersey native, spending all of my youth here, so it is something that I'm excited to be a part of growing up, um, especially as I was finishing high school and at the beginning of my college years, you know, Rutgers was going to the Final Four. Uh, we used to go to games, um, the players on those teams like Peter Vermees and Alexi and and many other players, Bobby Joe Esposito, Dave Mazur, uh, the coach at St. John's right now. Those guys um, were really well-known people, uh, Lino DiQualo, uh, and we loved going to the games, and that was one of the attractions here. Could I could I come back here and, and be part of that history? I'm, I'm well aware of the history and, and embrace it. I know we've got a lot to live up to, but uh, that's exciting, and, and it's the same for the conference. I think being, as you mentioned, with the coaches that are in our conference, you, you really do feel that it's a, it really is a bit of a community, and, and we're all rooting for each other. We're all trying to help each other out. We want to we wanna beat each other when we're playing, but um, we really do root for each other. I, so the first scores I look for now is, is trying to see how our conference is doing, and, and we want them to win every single game they play. It's, uh, it's, it's been fun to be part of that. Well, and you've won every single game so far, five games heading into your game tonight. What's been the secret sauce so far early early in the season? You know, it's just a mixture of, of players that were currently um, were already on the roster, really getting excited about um, the new players coming in and, and, and us just working them together. And, and we have a group of players right now that, that – compete in training 
they obviously compete hard in matches. Uh, they understand that uh, you know every single moment is important in games. They're, they're not getting ahead of the, themselves. I mean, as I said before, we've played in, we've won five games, but every game's been a nail biter. We've we've won by one goal in every game. Uh, all of them have been tight, a lot of stress during those matches. But it's been a great learning experience for our players that you know they do understand uh, how important every single play is, whether it's an attacking corner or defending a set piece, whatever it may be it can change the outcome of the game so uh, they've really bought into that and uh, I'm excited not only for the for the near future but um, but also for the years to come we've always said soccer is a game for all sizes and if I'm getting this straight a guy who's already got a couple of your game winning goals is a five foot five 125 pound freshman from Millville Pennsylvania that's part of the Philadelphia Union named Jackson Temple is that right five foot five 125 pounds coach yeah, if that, you know, I think he's uh he's a special guy though. Honestly, it's um I've had a lot of uh, alums come to, you know, preseason practices and and uh and some friends of mine come to practices and and one of the first things they say is is you know, how how's he's talented, but how's he going to be able to compete and uh, you know, in the college environment where it can be a little bit physical and and fast and uh I've never had a worry about that at all. He's really competitive, Jackson, incredibly quick, um very bright. And and um, you know understands how to you know get the most out of himself and uh, is a good team guy as well. The players love him on the team, um, but he's got an edge to him in terms of he really pushes himself uh, fitness wise and and he's not afraid of, of the contact as well. So he's been fantastic and uh, not only again is he playing well right now. I think he can even get better and, and has a bright future. Here with Jim McCalvery, the head coach for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, five and zero to start the season, coming off some really, really tough years and in his first campaign doing amazing work. And I feel like you already kind of tipped your hat to your long-term goals by referencing the Alexi Lalas, Peter Vermees era because you're right, they were going to Final Fours. They were knocking on doors of winning national championships. Sounds like because you're in New Jersey where, I mean, let's face it, men and women, some of the best players to ever come out of our country are from New Jersey, plain and simple, full stop. I mean, the list is endless. It sounds like your plan is to use that and get Rutgers back to where they were in the early 90s. Yeah, and it's not just uh, the Rutgers alums, you know, as you said. There's players like Tab Ramos who have been really supportive since I've gotten here. You know, he still is in New Jersey, obviously doing a lot with our national teams. Uh, even Claudio Reina over with NYCFC, those guys have been very supportive uh, because they know, you know, the history and the type of players that can come out of the state. So uh, that has been really great. And, and we understand how difficult it is to, to have the success that some programs previous to us have had, getting to find Final fours, you know, I don't think we're naive in that. Um, but all we have to do is kind of look around our conference to, to kind of set that standard with three teams in the final four last year, which is just incredible. And then even just across the hallway here for me, um, I look at our women's program, Mike O'Neill. Uh, they've been in the final four as recently as 2015. So um, the standards are all around us. So uh, we have no excuse in terms of understanding how uh, hard it can be, but also the opportunities that are in and around us. So so uh, there's no guarantees of, of any success, but, um, you know, we, we feel like we're in good company, and, and, and that's one of the reasons I was excited about coming to Rutgers. I, I feel the, the kind of sky's the limit if we can really work and, and push it, and, uh, and being in the Big Ten just makes it even better because I think that's, uh, that's things that can help you, right? Playing against the best teams in the country, the best coaches in the country, uh, it can only help you.
Well, I also understand from uh, what I've learned about uh, you offline is that you're also grounded. So with that, what are your short-term expectations, Jim? I mean, you can't win them all, particularly when you got to face the gauntlet of Indiana and Maryland and Michigan State and Michigan and, you know, even, I mean, every team. Ohio State's got off to a great start. Wisconsin, I mean, there's no way you can win them all. But what are your expectations for this season, Coach? Yeah, I think you know this, the the real basic one is is trying to get our players to to just compete in every single game. You know, we play UPenn tonight and uh, and not look ahead to our game against Michigan on, on Saturday. I think our guys have done a great job of that so far, and we'll just kind of keep keep doing that. But in terms of in our conference, we know it's difficult. I think all the all the teams in our conference, you're you're trying to to finish as high as you can in the table and and see if you can get yourself a home game in in the conference playoffs. But it's incredibly difficult to finish in the top four in, in our conference is, is very, very hard. So I think if we can keep that same mantra of, of whatever game we're playing, uh, come to try to win that game, be as competitive as we can. Um, I think we've told our players from day one, if if you don't think you can win a game, uh, you know, no matter who you're playing, then, then you're at the wrong place. You know, we want guys that uh, feel that if they do the right things and train really hard and listen, then, uh, then we'll have a chance to win every game. But as you said, we know we're not going to win every game. And, and especially with playing some of the teams that we're playing, uh, it's not going to be just this year. It's every year. Uh, that's that's okay. You know, as long as we come out and compete and get better, I think we'll we'll put ourselves in a situation by the end of the season. Hopefully, we're playing as well as we can, and and then that gives you a chance. Jim, this is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, and we spend a lot of time every week helping coaches uh, kind of navigate the maze of becoming a coach at whatever level they want. Obviously, you had great success at Fordham, 16 years, and you knew the strength of having a great coaching staff behind you there. You had to know the strength of having a good coaching staff behind you as the first-year top man in a conference as tough as the Big Ten, where three of the four teams in the College Cup were from the Big Ten. Talk about uh, how you put your staff together. I'm sure there were some Fordham ties that you know naturally made sense as well. But just talk about uh, how you built this staff and 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 the way you went about building it. Yeah, I think you know for me it's just all about relationships and and, and trusting each other. So um, you know the first thing I did was was. Uh, the associate head coach with me at, at Fordham, Gavin Wise, um, you know, we had some discussions about whether he wanted to try and stay and be the head coach at Fordham, and, and he was uh, excited about coming over with me, so that was the first thing I did, which I couldn't have been happier for him to join me. We we were together at, at Fordham for the last eight or nine years, um, so that was uh, a real exciting thing for me to have him come over, and it's been great. Um, uh, Tyler Stackowitz was on a, under the previous staff, but uh, though I didn't know him well, um, um, you know, spent some time with him when I first took the job here, and the the amount of people that called me on his behalf uh, was incredible. So um, he's been uh, fantastic to to stay on. And then um, we're lucky here at uh, at Rutgers that we have uh, a full staff. So we have a, a director of operations, like a full time position for director's operations. Um, AJ Vias came from Santa Clara, um, working with a really great staff out there. Learned a lot, and he also was an undergrad at St. John's working with, uh, you know, a former great here, Dave Mazur, and um, and then a good friend of mine who was a high school coach in New Jersey and a, and a former professional player, Joe Motorulo, um, uh, a guy who I've known for 25 years, is, is volunteering for us and really helping us with kind of individual player development. Um, you know, those guys for me have, have been a a huge part of not only just winning games, but 
trying to build the the program the way we want to do it and and you know getting the players to to believe in themselves and develop so uh, it's all about the the staff for me and it's it's been one of the the real enjoyments of being here I'm lucky in that Rutgers uh you know supports us so well um having you know four full-time coaches um and facilities is um is something that uh, I can't thank them enough and I think it's a reason why players would would be excited to come here so uh, and that's why I'm here so uh, but the staff has been something that um has been a huge success for us and and I'm looking forward to continue it going speaking of staff how fired up is uh your athletic director Pat Hobbs with your start because uh Five and oh, he's got to be looking over. I mean, I guarantee you, you can see some white teeth in that smile for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's again. Pat's been uh, another reason that that I was interested in in working at Rutgers. Uh, again, so many people um, that I know in 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 the athletics world, you know, were, were so positive in his leadership here, and that was something that excited me. And yeah, he's been so supportive of us. And uh, but he's he's been really great from day one. Um, um, my kind of sport administrator as well, Matt Giovanni, is you know, it's never about putting pressure on and 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 winning games immediately for us. It's, it's about getting this program where where we think it needs to be in terms of uh, you know chemistry and culture and all those kind of buzzwords. But uh, but yeah, I mean winning is always exciting and and it gets a great little feel on campus. And we have so many teams on our campus that are successful between our you know wrestling program, our basketball teams, uh, obviously women's soccer, field hockey. The list goes on and on. So uh, you're just kind of trying to live up to everybody else, which is uh, which is a good place to be. Two more questions, and we'll let him go as he gets ready to go to 6-0 tonight against Penn as we're here with Jim McElroy, the head coach for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights men's soccer team that is 5-0, and and they will be visible soon on the Big Ten Network games coming up. I look forward to calling your team in person. But with that, uh, what would uh, be the best way to describe the kind of soccer you're playing right now en route to this 5-0 and record? You know, it's a, it's a good question. I think, um, you know, college soccer is an interesting animal sometimes. You know, I think you've got to be able to play a couple of different styles to, to be able to compete. I think when you're winning games and, and, you know, goal differential doesn't matter. You know, teams are throwing everything at you, so you have to be able to ride out some tough moments. So you have to be able to compete uh, athletically and sometimes against teams that are maybe direct and, uh, you know, getting back to basics of just individual defending and winning headers and stuff. But in terms of how we want to play, especially on the attacking side, you know, we want to get the ball on the ground and play. We've got a lot of guys that uh, come from that background, whether there's some international guys or guys from the, you know, development academy um, or even outside the development academy, some really good clubs or high schools. You know, they want to get the ball down and they want to play and they want to try to combine. It's not always that way, but, you know, that's the goal for us. You know, we want, um, you, know, you know, as you said before, there's there's a kind of an educated fan base here in New Jersey and, and uh, they want us to win games, but they also want us to, to play an attractive brand so we'll we're trying to do that now uh, we'll we'll have some bumps in the roads and, and make some some mistakes but uh, that will be one of the things that we're trying to do we want to play an attractive brand where we're trying to you know uh, connect on passes and create scoring opportunities and uh, but also be able to defend well so um, you know it's 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 all over we're all trying to be you know the best uh, with what we have and uh, but the goal for us will be a team that plays out of the back and tries to play an attractive brand finally we mentioned you're in the Fairfield Hall of Fame you might be in other Hall of Fame, I'm not sure, but if you're not, then it looks like your wife has you beat because she's a member of both the State of Connecticut Field Hockey and the Connecticut College Halls of Fame. Kim, 
And then you've got Grace and Liam. I think the most important question, because, you know, Mama's got to be happy. How's Kim and Grace and Liam enjoying uh, New Jersey? Yeah, it's been it's been great. You know, it's um, as you said, my wife was a big-time uh, field hockey player and, and had a, a ton of success. And, um, you know, and she's always uh, involved in, in, in our, our team and, and uh, is as competitive, if not more competitive, than I am. So uh, that's always a good uh, a good barometer of how we're doing. And our, our kids have been excited. Uh, you know, coming down to, to Rutgers, it was uh, exciting for them to see, you know, the, the, the facilities we have here, and, and they were, you know, uh, looking forward to coming down here as much as I was. So it's been a, a great transition so far. It's been fun to have them at games and supporting not just not just our team, but being able to go to basketball games or football games or whatever. It's been a lot of fun, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, they they can kind of grow as well. And that's that's what it was all about for me. You know, I think a lot of people have asked me, you know, what you know why why I came here and it was it was a something where it was now or never and it was just a once in a lifetime for me so I felt uh, it was great not only for me but for my family to experience something new and uh, we couldn't be happier so far and uh, we look forward to to have it only get better so uh, we're all uh, we're all in we're so happy for you and Gavin and the entire crew here it's been a lot of fun for me to kind of do like the one eye like look around wait did Rutgers win again did Rutgers win again <laughs> uh, every week we keep doing it coach and uh, hope it's okay if you if you just if you root for us more than all the other Big Ten teams, it's okay. That's okay. We'll take that. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, speaking of Big Ten, Molly Rouse, the assistant coach for Stephanie Golan at Minnesota. She's part of the 30 Under 30 program. She'll join us next. Team Snap's awesome. I have five teams on Team Snap. There are no questions asked by the players, the parents. Very easy to use. Very, very, very easy. Simple to use. Everyone, you know, everything's right there. Messages, availability, boom, boom, boom. I've looked at other at other things, and I think TeamSnap sets the bar for this type of team management software. It's the best that i found. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by TeamSnap. Another great show, and as you know, I've really enjoyed getting to know all of our members of our current class for 30 under 34 United Soccer Coaches. And no different today where anytime I can talk to anybody associated with the Minnesota Golden Gophers women's soccer team, I am excited. If you listen to this show, you know I'm a huge fan of Stephanie Golan and the Gophers program. And even before that, I was a big fan of Nikki Denny Wright. She had some great players, some great teams, a couple teams that made some deep runs. And they were led by Molly Rouse, who is now with the Minnesota coaching staff, which I absolutely love that she's back at her alma mater and an easy pick for United Soccer Coaches 30 under 30. And Molly joins me now. Molly, great to be with you. Yeah, great to be with you too. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, I remember calling your games. And then, ironically, I just called your game uh, against NC State last week on the Big Ten Network. And a big win for a team that didn't panic where – they could have been four and two. Instead, they were oh four and two. And Stephanie Golan wasn't worried. And Molly, it felt like the team wasn't worried. Just talk about that mentality because you lost a ton from your Big Ten tournament team that uh, won the year before. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, there were some you know pretty significant impact players in that senior class from last year um, that we you know did not return, and so. Um, yeah, having this group come together, and I mean, we have a pretty large freshman class. We had 10 people come in this year, and we had a couple transfers thrown into the mix as well. So 
you know, in combination with such a large new group of individuals joining the program and also trying to fill some of, you know, the big holes that we had with that senior class departing um, has been kind of a wild ride for us. And, I mean, the, the senior class that we currently have, you know, led by the senior captains that we have, uh, uh, Marissa and Nikki, they've done an incredible job being able to help keep everybody on the same page and help keep belief alive um, and, and be able to just continue to believe that this group, with as talented and as deep as we are, can pull things together and be able to succeed at the level that we know that we're capable of. And so, um, yeah, it is, it's an interesting place that we've kind of found ourselves in. Um, you know, when you're heading into your, you know, seventh game of the season and you don't have a win, but still feeling like 100% confident that even against such an opponent as NC State, and, you know, they had a handful of really incredible players and they're super organized. Um, to have that belief still be as, you know, as energetic as it was heading into that match is something that's pretty special about this group. I remind everybody that um, Molly Rouse played for the Golden Gophers from 2007 to 2010, and the Big Ten Network was launched in 2007. So I felt like it was the perfect time to be following Minnesota Golden Gopher women's soccer. Molly netted 18 goals with the Golden Gophers while adding 17 assists. And during her four seasons, she's a winner. The Gophers participated in the NCAA tournament twice, reaching the third round both times, which is still the deepest the Gophers have made it in the postseason of program history. And Molly was a two-time All-Big Ten selection. So when did the coaching bug hit you, Molly? When did you know that's what you wanted to do? That's a good question. So, I, I mean, I think I always have um, been drawn to uh, coaching within the profession once I was done playing. Um, even, like, when I was in high school, I was fortunate enough to be coached by my older sister who, you know, I grew up watching play, and that was something that was really, really inspirational to me. So um, being coached by her when I was a young player and then having the amazing opportunity to go play at Minnesota and be coached by really, really strong, confident female leadership um, I think that just kind of, like, further instilled that bug in me um, to the point where I remember, I believe I was a sophomore, and I sat down with Mickey, and I was like, I'm pretty sure coaching is what I want to do after this, so, you know, what is your advice? What do I do? And she was like, well, get a, you know, get an education major because that translates really nicely into coaching. And so I, I kind of got on the track fairly early in college. Um, it was just a matter of, you know, figuring out the pieces of, you know, when was the timing of it going to be? Um, I played, you know, one season after I was done, uh, after I graduated from Minnesota, I played one season for the Vancouver Whitecaps, and it was a great experience, but I think by the end of that I was really like, you know, I think I'm, I'm ready to step on the other side of the line and, you know, be able to be that kind of strong role model for younger players that I was so fortunate to be able to have in, you know, my entire youth to collegiate experience. Molly did get her bachelor's degree in early child education with a minor in child psychology and an emphasis on American Sign Language. And as far as coaching education, in addition to being a 30 under 30 member, she holds a U.S. Soccer National A coaching license. And you did play that one year, and then you started getting in the college game. You're at Alabama State, and then Buffalo, and then Nebraska Omaha, and then with Dave Diani, and then Minnesota. So obviously, you you got it early. You you had to go places maybe that uh, wasn't first on your list, but you had to get that experience, right? 
Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I have had, you know, just such an awesome opportunity to, you know, fall under, you know, leadership in different levels, different programs. Um, I've always been really, really fortunate to be able to learn as much as I possibly can from the people that, you know, you know, were willing to take a risk on me as an assistant coach. And then, you know, they were very supportive when I, you know, made moves to other programs. And um, so, and I think that the the experiences that I've had at all of these different stops along the way really have helped shape me to become, you know, the young coach that I'm still striving to get better every single day. So um, I definitely feel fortunate that I was able to have all of those just very wide variety of different types of coaching experiences. Um, but they certainly have all played into um, you know, the what I'm able to kind of shape my coaching experience to be. Well, tell us, so Molly, get us excited about uh, when you learned that there would be an opening at Minnesota, your alma mater. Obviously, you're not that far away. You're in the Big Ten at least. So just tell us about that excitement and the interview process and when you heard that you got the job because i got to believe that's pretty fulfilling to be at back at Minnesota under Stephanie Golan. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Steph has been somebody who's been incredibly influential to my um, coaching career, you know, from start to finish. I mean, she was somebody who, you know, recommended me for the Alabama State job. She was somebody who got me connected with Sean Burke at Buffalo. Um, she, um, you know, was the one who put my name forth when I was at, you know, Omaha, and she, you know, knew that there was an opening at the University of Iowa. So she's been somebody who's been very influential and so throughout that process her being you know such a mentor to me we've been able to develop you know a professional relationship but also a friendship at the same time and so having that opportunity to be able to come back and work with somebody who I have become very close to over the last you know six seven years was an opportunity that I wasn't going to pass up and then you know, having the chance to come back and be a gopher again is something that is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And, um, you know, I, I believe I was watching a World Cup game with my husband when Steph called and was like, are you sitting down? Make sure you're sitting down because, you know, this is important news. And she was like, you know, there's possibly going to be an opening, and I would like for you to be the one and. Um, I think we were about a month out from preseason at that point, maybe a little bit more than that. So um, it happened really, really fast. But, I mean, the second I got off the phone, I looked at my husband and I was like, could we do this? And he was like, absolutely. So um, it felt right, right from the get-go. And like I said, like me and Steph have been able to, you know, become very close as friends. And having that kind of working relationship on top of that has been something that, you know, I, I wouldn't pass up for anything. Well, and I love the fact that uh, you were inspired by some strong female coaches, and now you get to inspire your entire staff. I mean, it's so impressive. Stephanie Golan, Becky Fletcher, Molly Rouse, who we're speaking to, Allie Lipser, who was a goalkeeper at Duke, Sarah Johnson, and even Mary Jo Brandt. I mean, an all-female staff, that says a lot about what you guys are doing there in Minnesota, right? Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I think Steph has – you know, she's been selective with who she's brought on to staff and, um, you know, even to the point where, you know, we were trying to decide which member of the soccer community within Minnesota to, you know, bring in as the volunteer coach. It was really, really important for staff to have that strong, confident female role model on staff. 
and um, we're super happy that we have Allie on staff because she's just been somebody who has really elevated not just the soccer IQ, but also, um, you know, the, the level of fun and enjoyment that we all share for soccer. And so, um, yeah, it's something that's super unique, and honestly, it would be great if we had more staff like that in the nation. Um, but I feel super lucky to be a part of the, you know, the compilation of people that we have here because it's pretty special. You know what else is special is the love that both boys and girls have for the University of Minnesota if you're from that area. Are you from the state of Minnesota originally? Yeah, I uh, I grew up in Minnesota, yeah. Yeah, so I thought so. And, and all the best, you know, whether it's basketball or soccer or softball, like if you play in Minnesota, you kind of want to go to the University of Minnesota like eight times, nine times out of ten, right? Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I remember, uh, like I was saying before, my sister played in college. She was somebody who I grew up, um, you know, kind of idolizing from a really young age. And I remember her university came and played at the University of Minnesota, the very first game that, you know, I went and was, you know, a fan and in the crowd. And I remember looking at my mom and I was like, this is where I want to play. Like, this is what I want to do. I want to play for the Gophers. And I think I was in sixth grade at the time, like really, really young. And so to have that kind of atmosphere and also the presence that they have within the soccer community be that inspirational to young players, you're absolutely right, like both boys and girls, um, is something that's really unique to the state. Um, but it's also something that makes it incredible to be a part of when you're um, a member of the Gopher soccer team. It's also pretty cool to be a member of United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30. What was your inspiration, your drive to want to apply and be a part of this group, Molly? So um, I actually was in the middle of um, my, uh, you know, I was, uh, you mentioned it earlier, I was in the middle of, you know, rounding out my uh, USSFA license at the time, and I was really, really enjoying the experience of learning that I was getting through that course, and um, and so it was something that, you know, it kind of popped up, and um, I, I was fortunate enough to know a couple people who have gone through the program, um, Crystal Seidel, who is now the head coach at McAllister, but she was an assistant coach for the University of Minnesota. Um, uh, Je- Jessica Smith, who I was, you know, a candidate in the A-license pool with her as well. They're both people who were members of the 30 Under 30 uh, program, and so they spoke super highly of it. And um, when the opportunity came, you know, about for me to be able to apply, I was like, this makes a lot of sense. I want to continue learning. I want to keep growing in every way that I possibly can. Heard really good things about the mentorship that happens within it and the opportunity to go to the convention again, which was incredible to be able to, you know, go to Chicago this year. And so um, it just kind of felt right, the timing of it. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to get in, which was amazing to be a part of this year's class. And so, yeah, it was just a really, really good timing and good opportunity that uh, kind of came up for me. As you look ahead to your future as a coach and also, um, as you said, you've got a husband and everything, where do you see yourself in 10 years from now, Molly? Oh, 10 years from now. I think that, you know, ultimately, um, you know, I want to be on the track to become a head coach someday. Um, you know, I used to, when I was a little bit younger, used to have timelines set out on when, you know, the perfect time and place and location and all those things would be, but... Um, I'm very, very happy at the University of Minnesota right now. My husband, actually, he works for 
uh, Minneapolis United uh, Development Academy as well. And so, you know, we're pretty well set here in Minnesota currently. But in 10 years from now, I would hope maybe to have a, a head coaching job at the Division One level. But, I'm, like I said, I'm pretty well set here right now and enjoying what I'm doing and super passionate about continuing to, you know, be able to contribute to the Gophers. Well, I loved you as a player, and I know that um, if you're coach any way close to the way you play, you're going to be fantastic. And then I also know that if you're working and enjoying your time under Stephanie Golan, which everybody that comes across or even the opposition, like I've never had more opposition coaches say, man, I just have mad respect for Stephanie Golan. You're in the right place, Molly, because um, you're the full package. Thank you so much for spending time with us, and good luck the rest of the season. And thanks so much for being a part of the 30 Under 30 program. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time again. We've got one more 30 Under 30 member to meet on this show. Emma Clark is up next. Hello, coaches. Dean Linky here reminding you that registration is now open for the 2020 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Baltimore. Make your plans to join us January 15th through 19th for five days of coaching education, networking, meal and social functions, award presentations, and so much more. Register before December 11th to secure the best rate. Visit United Soccer Coaches Convention to learn more. The United Soccer Coaches Convention, your event for all things coaching. Welcome back to our United Soccer Coaches podcast as we wrap up the show with yet another visit from a 30 under 30 superstar. We just heard from Molly Rouse. She started at Minnesota. She's now part of the Minnesota coaching staff. And Emma Clark, she started at Boston, where we love Boston at United Soccer Coaches because we love Nancy Feldman, Casey Brown. There's been other coaches that have been attached to the 30 Under 30 program because of the influence of Nancy Feldman. Well, Emma Clark starred at Boston, coached at Boston, was actually named the associate head coach at Boston, but decided she needed to get outside of that comfortable environment to get the ultimate goal, and that is be a head coach. We'll hear her story now. Emma Clark is with us. Emma, thanks for being with us. Thanks so much for having me, Dean. Yeah, let's uh, remind everybody where you grew up and how you found your way to Boston to play for Nancy Feldman. Get us to that point, okay? I'm originally from York, Maine, so I uh, went to York High School, played soccer there, and I was a part of the Seacoast United Soccer Club. Um, played there for, gosh, 12 years and even through college. Some of my summers I spent playing with the Seacoast United uh, Women's Professional, Semi-Professional League. So um, did that and was fortunate enough to get enough exposure for Coach Feldman to see me play. and. Um, was lucky enough to have her want me to be a part of the team. So that's that's how I ended up at BU. Well, and you had great success at BU. You played for the Terriers from 2010 to 2013. You helped the team win two America East championships in 10 and 11, a Patriot League championship in the program's first year in the conference in 2013. You were named to the then-named NSCA All-Region team, the All-Conference first team as a junior and senior and you went to the NCAA tournament three times. So tell us uh, what made that program so special because you guys had some good teams. Yeah, I was I was really fortunate to be a part of it, and our culture there is something that uh, we take a lot of pride in, and I think that that helps lead to a lot of our success. And obviously Nancy leading that, you know, driving being the driving force to our program, um, she really harps on not only developing us as players but as people, and I think that that makes a big difference um, to our success on the field. We learn to care about each other, and uh, the more you care about people, the more you want to play for them. 
Um, so we not only care about each other, but caring about Coach Feldman, too, and, and wanting to make her proud. So a lot of things go into the success, but I definitely think the, the team culture is something that uh, was our driving force. Okay, so then right after that, you went back to Maine, where you're a volunteer assistant coach uh, at Maine, the Black Bears. And tell us uh, what you did a couple years at Maine, and then how you got back to BU. Yep. So my first year up at the University of Maine, I was actually a volunteer. So, um, you know, getting getting paid and experience, um, and that was I learned a lot while I was up there. I was fortunate enough to get the assistant coaching role full time up there. My second year up there. Um, and same thing, we, you know, competed in the America East, uh, which was a league that I was really familiar with, obviously coming from BU. Um, so I felt familiar and definitely some level of comfort there. Um, Scott Atherley was a great mentor to me up there, so I, I have to thank him for providing me the opportunity for those two years. You know, straight out of college, not everybody would do that, so I feel very fortunate that I was able to. But I learned a lot while I was up there, and then, in 2016, uh, when Casey Brown got a head coaching job at Holy Cross, I, you know, applied. Nancy made me through, go through the whole, whole interview process. Obviously, she wants to make sure that she's bringing in the best to the program, and I was lucky enough that she selected me to, to come back and help try to, you know, continue the, the success at BU. That had to be a great call, right? Just incredible, <laughs> right? Yeah, it, I, I almost couldn't believe it. I, feel very lucky that she chose me and trusted me enough to to bring me back and obviously there were things that went into the decision but I got to coach a couple of the people that I played with so that was really special to me um but the phone call when she called to tell me that I got the job you know she's asking me how I'm doing at first and I'm like just tell me that are you gonna hire me or not um but I it, it was a very exciting phone call and you know I, I couldn't wait to tell my parents uh that she was bringing me back. It was, it was a really exciting day. You just said some pretty powerful women, at least in my opinion, Nancy Feldman, Casey Brown. I mean, those are two great names right there, and that's the Boston way, right? Absolutely, and, you know, I'll add another name to that list. And when I came in my freshman year, I had Nancy Feldman, Jeff Clinton, and Liz Driscoll as my three coaches my freshman year in school, and they definitely all were incredible role models to me. And then I was fortunate enough to be coached by Casey my the spring of my junior year and my senior year. And um, Nancy and Casey and Jess were definitely three people that, you know, made me believe that I could do this myself. Um, and it wasn't until my junior year that I really decided that I wanted to be a head coach or uh, or coach in general, um, but they put a lot of responsibility on me as a player uh, to lead, and it got my brain working a little bit and turning, and I started to see the game in a different way. Um, and thanks to the three of them, it really made me think that I could do it, having three strong females, you know, kind of lead the way and show me how it's done. All right, Emma, so help us understand this decision because it's a big one, right? Because <laughs> I, you said comfortable, and i got to believe super comfortable, right? You played there. You started there. You won a lot of games. You're assistant coach there. You promoted associate head coach. I'm sure Nancy's doing her best to try to take good care of you. Talk about the decision to leave your alma mater and go to Seton Hall. That had to be major. Yeah, it, it was. It was a really, really big decision, and um you know, it's important to know that this decision wasn't easy in the slightest. Um, you know, in an ideal world, would I have 
stayed at BU maybe for the rest of my life. Sure. Um, but I want to be the best coach that I can be, and I, I felt almost that I was going to do players a disadvantage if that was the only thing that I knew for the rest of my time. Um, Nancy was at a couple different places before she ended up at BU, um, so she's had experiences elsewhere. I haven't had experiences elsewhere, so I needed to work for somebody else and see how their brain worked and, uh, you know, really absorb as much as I possibly can from other people and other players and other places um, to really make sure that I'm not doing anybody a disservice when I, you know, hopefully get the opportunity to be a head coach. I hopefully have all the information that I can pull pieces from here and there uh, to get the program that I want to get to someday. But it definitely wasn't an easy decision at all. Yeah, and, and tell us why Seton Hall. What was the draw there? You know, another powerful and really uh, a big role model for me for me and uh, Kira Crinion, who got the head coaching job here at Seton Hall. Um, I've known her for a few years through Nancy, actually. She's uh, worked some, some camps at BU, and um, Kira's a really intelligent coach. Um, she really knows what she's talking about. So that was a big draw for me. I knew that she was somebody that I could learn a lot from um, and wanted to learn a lot from. She sees the game in a, a really um, inspiring way. Um, so coming down and wanting to work for her was a big piece of it. Um, obviously competing in the Big East Conference is something that uh, is incredible. Um, not that the, the Patriot League isn't, but it's definitely uh, conference-wise a, a bit of a step up, so that had an influence. Um and just to, to see a different athletic department and how it works and uh, all things were, went into my decision. But um, the experience itself uh, is something that was really new. Well, you think about experience, and Nancy Feldman has been all in on United Soccer Coaches from day one. She still is. I mean, she went over with April Heinrichs to with a special course over there around the Women's World Cup. Casey Brown was yep. in the first 30-under-30 30 30 class. So clearly – you saw value in the 30 under 30 class. Talk about your decision to apply and your excitement to get in. I mean, just right there, you, I think you, you kind of led me into this one, but Nancy obviously being such a huge part of the United Soccer Coaches, um, she was a big influence and, in, you know, constantly, you know, telling me to apply and that it's a great experience. And just the all the things that you get with being a part of 30 under 30 and having um, – you know, being linked with uh, a mentor and just having them as a role model. Uh, you mentioned Casey doing the 30 under 30, but I saw, you know, what she learned from it and what she got to do. And then the year before me, um, the other assistant coach at, at BU, Molly Paletto, who's now at Missouri, um, she was a part of the 30 under 30 program. So I've had a lot of people go through it and tell me just so many great things about it that, you know, I, I had to apply. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be foolish to pass up the opportunity to, to learn from so many people and, and same thing, you know, you, you learn and you get experiences from other people that you never thought that you might uh, have the opportunity to get. So just having so many people be a part of it and all the good things that I hear about it, I, I had to. Coming off the Women's World Cup, seeing the NWSL thrive, seeing the professional leagues overseas thrive, what's, uh, what's your ultimate goal? Where do you think you want to be five, ten years from now? Oh, Dean, that's a loaded question. Um, I as where I want to, I want to be happy, um, and I want to be influencing young females. And um, you know, college females, I think, uh, are 
the age group that I want to focus my attention on. I had such a good experience as a student athlete in college um, at BU that I want to make sure that any female that walks through a college door has the same exact experience that I did. Um, and if I can have an influence on that, then I want to be able to. So whether that be as an assistant coach, a head coach, an associate head coach, whatever it may be, um, I can definitely see myself staying at the college level um, in any division, to be honest, and, and having an impact, hopefully, a positive impact um, on a lot of females that walk through the door. Uh, you're a surefire winner, that's for sure. And uh, I like I like the way you process your decisions. And, you know, you're going to be a head coach real soon, Emma Clark. Thanks so much for being with us on the 30 Under 30 program. Congrats on all your success as a player and now all your success as a coach. Thanks so much, Dean. I really appreciate it. Thank Emma Clark and Molly Rouse from our 30 Under 30 program. I want to thank Jim McKeldry, red hot as the new head coach for the Rutgers men's soccer team. Becky Burley, 500 wins at Florida. She is a rock star and only going to add to those 500 wins. Ian Barker, the director of coaching education for United Soccer Coaches. A lot of exciting news coming from him. And then, of course, Jeff Farnsworth, the acting United Soccer Coaches president, with his special tribute to Jim Sheldon, an honor award winner and longtime CEO of United Soccer Coaches. Always a shout-out for Michael Knipper and Sean Chevro, my main men at United Soccer Coaches, Jeff Van Dusen, Lynn Burling-Manuel, Steve Veal, Pat Madden, the whole gang. They're outstanding. For all of them, I'm Dean Linky. See you same time, same channel for another edition of United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap.